You're listening to the Austin Elite Rugby Supporters Podcast, a podcast created by supporters for supporters of the Austin Elite, a major league rugby team located in Austin, Texas in the United States. We are not officially affiliated with the Elite. We are merely big supporters of the club and the sport of rugby. I'm your host, Dustin. I'm a former rugby player and a longtime rugby fan who wanted to bring weekly updates on the team, the matches, supporter events, and to do what I can to teach more people about the game of rugby. As a disclaimer, content may occasionally contain explicit language, as I do not censor the podcast in the interest of time and full effect. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. This is the season finale of the Austin Elite Supporters Podcast. It's been an amazing couple months recording this podcast for you, talking to you, talking with you, talking with players, and really just trying to promote the sport of rugby here in Central Texas. I can't express how grateful I am to... Many of you who continue to support, who continue to help promote the game of rugby in the area. On this final episode of the season, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We're going to touch base on the Austin Elite season and really what happened. Now, there were a lot of things that happened both on the field and off the field And I think it's important that we continue to talk about it, that we continue to discuss it on the podcast, that we continue to discuss it with each other because, hey, we're a major league sports town. We've got an amazing group of guys that give their heart and soul out there on the pitch for all 80 minutes and and we want to see them do well. And I think that's evident in the supporters page and the comment section and on major league rugby comment section. And I think I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't talk about it a little bit more here on the podcast. We're also going to touch base and talk a little bit about the MLR final that happened this past weekend. Man, what a great game that was. Um, Just great for MLR, great for the sport of rugby in America, and a great match to lead us into 2020 season. And of course, we'll wrap up some stuff on the supporters group. We'll talk about some things that I hope can come out of this season and really help us build out a larger group that's more organized, that's got more events, and that's really finely tuned with what's going on with the Austin Elite Rugby team. I think it's important, though, that we start off with kind of the major news and the major event that happened at the end of the season. And unfortunately, it was off the field and not on the field. Before the New York match at New York, I should preface, um, some of the players and Thierry Dupont uh, sat down and talked with DJ Coyle, who uh, I definitely direct you guys to. He does some good recaps of all of the games around Major League Rugby. And in the interview um, with Thierry, uh, Doug Coyle is his name. He asked Terry about 
what's going on with rugby in Central Texas. And and I see how sometimes things get lost in translation or the comments get taken out of context. And unfortunately, there was a comment about not being a tradition of rugby in Central Texas or Texas itself, and it really rubbed people the wrong way. Now, for those of you that don't know, my background is in linguistics and international communications, so I tried to look at it at different points of view. And for some that look at it, yes, I definitely see that someone can watch this and interpret Thierry as saying there is no rugby tradition in Texas. And another person can look at it a different way. And if you read into the entire interview, or you watch the entire interview, I should say, and you read into what he was saying, I think there's also a little bit of of hope of saying we're growing a rugby culture. It's not what they have, you know, in New Zealand or South Africa or France, but it's something that we're trying to build. And unfortunately, I think it just didn't come off the way that Thierry was hoping it would. And I can be, you know, open and say that Thierry and I have had many good conversations and I know that he has a passion for growing the sport of rugby in the U.S. and I'm, I'm grateful for the conversations we've had to talk about rugby, to talk about Austin, to talk about how we build a supporters group, etc., etc. But those comments that were made really sparked a, a big, uh, i say uprising is, is, a, is a little bit too harsh, but people were very upset. And there's been a long tradition of very successful and very passionate fans in Austin for rugby. You have amazing teams like the Austin Huns, who if you don't really know the history of Austin Elite, that was, last season, was pretty much the entire Huns team that went from the top level of men's USA club division or the elite division, I think as they called it, or the premier division that they are now going in and helping form the first teams of MLR. So you have the Austin Huns. You also have the Austin Blacks, which we'll talk a little bit about later, a phenomenal club team. They've sent multiple teams at the division one, two and three level to the national championships. The Division Three team last year won it. <laughs> a bit of a spoiler, they won it again this year, but we'll talk about that here in a minute as well. And then, of course, you have women's rugby, which is growing exponentially right now, and the Austin Valkyries. So we really have three solid club-level teams and a history, a long history, of amazing rugby and rugby support here in Austin, Texas, which is why we have one of the founding members of Major League Rugby here in town. So let's not forget about that. Were the comments made? Yes. Did they come off and really burn some bridges with local clubs? Absolutely. Were they intentionally said to burn bridges? I don't think so. I would hope not, but I don't think so. I think that, again, maybe just 
I don't know. Maybe it's just something lost in translation, I guess. So that happened. We had lots of people complaining. We had all kinds of reports, people asking for him to be fired, people asking for a lot of things. However, it was actually about three weeks or so after the video aired that anything did happen. And the club announced that Thierry was stepping down as the GM and CEO of Austin Elite Rugby and Todd Clever was stepping in as the new director of rugby for Austin Elite. And I think you saw this on all social media and in conversations that we had at pubs. People were, I think some people were apprehensive to start off, asking about his history. And of course, we all want the team to do extremely well. And people questioned it. But I think for the most part, people are very excited for Todd to come onto the team in the management role, in this director of rugby role. And I think it's important that we continue to support the team, support what's coming next, because there's a lot of changes that are going to be happening. When you have a team that goes 0-14, which we did, we won't talk too much about the games. I think we all know where our games wound up this year. But moving forward, there is a lot of promise, there's a lot of hope, and there's a lot of people that are going to be what's going to happen over the next few months leading up to the first game of 2020. And I think one of the first things that's going to happen is you're going to see more community involvement. I think there's going to be more support, which we saw already, for the local clubs. There's going to be more events that have the clubs mixed together. I think you're going to see a lot more involvement with Austin Elite and the Major League side and the club level side in the next coming months. And I really hope that happens. Again, we have these great clubs, we have these great teams that are here in Austin. We need to continue to support them as well. I want to see Austin be the the mecca of professional and club-level rugby and all rugby in the U.S., and it should be. With the history that we have, with the teams that we have, with the support that we have and can have, that's what's going to make us the home of rugby in the United States. And so, that being said, even though this is the final episode of the first season for the Austin Elite Rugby Podcast, I'm actually going to start transitioning to the Austin Rugby Podcast. And I want to do this because all teams, at all levels, deserve to have somebody out there talking about how great the game was, getting people out to the pitch, getting people to the different events that happen around town. And we need to be promoting rugby throughout Central Texas. So starting on this podcast, we're going to start talking a little bit about the Austin Blacks going to the national championship. We're going to talk a little bit about the Austin Huns and some amazing event that they have coming up this weekend. We'll talk about the Valkyries as well. I think it's important. God, we have to do it. <laughs> Just that, That's what we're going to do. So if you're tuning in from overseas, 
you're going to hear some stuff on Austin Elite, and that's going to be great. We're going to continue to bring you player interviews. We're going to continue to bring you updates on the games, but we're also going to talk about some local rugby because that's how we build up rugby in the U.S., and that's how we take it to the next level, and that's how we become the center for rugby in the U.S. So just before the Seattle game, the last game of the season, Todd Clever comes on as the director of rugby. And, you know, there were lots of rumors that were flying around. I'm not going to get into that because I think it's all... Anyway, I don't like rumors. I'm not a big fan of them. But what is important to know is that if you watched Seattle and Austin play, the first half, yeah, Seattle, man, they were all over the place. They, they played really well. There were times, though, where we showed amazing skill. We showed quicker ball. We showed some amazing line-out skills, and that first try that we had to tie the game at 7-7 was fantastic, and Travis Larson scoring that was, was pretty awesome. He just cut right through the middle. It was a great play. Anyway, that, beside the point. I'm not going to talk too much about the actual game itself because what it really showed and what really stood out for me was the end of the game, the second half of the game. First half happened. They went up quite a few points. I think it was like 21-7, I think, at halftime. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't care right now. What is important is the way that we played in the second half. And they gave it their all. Like I said, we've been playing really kind of slow-paced rugby all season. You know, slow to the rucks, slow to get the opponent on the back foot. And this game, I think... Todd and and Andrew Seniola, who you know had his final professional game ever. Uh, congratulations to Andrew for an amazing career, by the way. We'll definitely get him on the podcast next season because he's a great guy to talk to. I really enjoy you know just chatting with him for a couple minutes, and he's had an amazing rugby career for not just Austin but for the USA Eagles as well. I think that. Those two up there letting the team play that free-flowing rugby, we really saw we saw line breaks that we haven't seen all year. We saw great kicking. We saw great lineouts. Scrummaging was really well done, and it showed the promise and the potential that the team has for next year. Of course, I'm sure there'll be some changes in personnel next year, but if you watch the game, you knew. You saw the excitement. You saw the players playing for each other playing their hearts out <laughs> you saw Andrew kicking penalty uh, penalty kicks at the end of the game uh, just to put that on his record as well uh, I think he's actually retires with a perfect uh, Austin elite kicking uh, record I think he's two for two on <laughs> on point afters though so that's something exciting to think about think about how they played for each other think about how the game was played in the second half and as an Austin Elite fan, you should be excited. Season 0 and 14, only four points, all from. I think we had two bonus points from scoring four or more tries, and I think there were two bonus points from losing by seven or less. All in all, was not a good season. We will go down in the record books as the first team in Major League Rugby to lose every single game in a season. It's not something you want to be proud of, but. It happened. We move on to the next one. There's a hashtag that we use throughout the year is keep the faith. 
and I think that's a good thing to talk about right now is just to say, keep the faith. There's going to be some good things happening. We've got Todd coming in, hopefully can energize the team, can build out a, a good core of, of leadership uh, that we see on the field and the players, a good core in the coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. I know that we all will be a part of helping him and helping the team build the community for more events, for more tailgates, for whatever. We all have to do our due diligence. We all have to do our part to help grow the game and to help support Austin Elite. Whew. All right, that was that was quite a bit. I'm going to take a quick second and step off my, my soapbox here for a minute and we'll talk about the Major League Rugby final between San Diego and Seattle. Major League Championship Final. CBS Main Network. Main Network. Not CBS Sports, not ESPN Plus, not someone's channel on internet, you know, service out of Colorado or anything or any not any channel that is difficult to get to, but the main CBS channel. This should be something that everybody gets excited about. I'm sorry, just fantastic. We had the San Diego Legion, who won in a nail-biter over New York in the semifinals against the defending champion Seattle Seawolves. And, man, was it a hard-fought game. Now, I'm not going to get into, you know, back and forth and score by score, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to talk a little bit about how exciting it was to watch. And it was exciting. I think the game, the back and forth, the, you know, the scrummaging was fantastic. The guys over at Earful of Dirt talked a lot about it. If you want to go hear more in-depth, go listen to uh, Aaron and Liam talk a little bit more about the game. So that's not what I'm about. I just want to talk about how great it is to see an amazing game. So if you watch the game that you know with about, oh, I don't know, a couple minutes left, maybe seven, I think 77th minute or so, Joe Peterson kicked a drop goal to put the Legion up four points at 23-19. And, of course, everybody, you're thinking you've got possession, you kick a drop goal, you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great and you're going to go on and win the game. Somehow, Seattle turned the ball over, they got a penalty for a high tackle, they kicked the ball down into the corner, and with almost, what, I think a half a million plus people watching, uh, according to the, uh, the Nielsen reports, Seattle takes the ball, goes to the line out, and throws 13 people into a, a rolling mall or a, I mean, I just thought it was a rolling mall, just a mall that drove over the try line to win the game as the whistle blew. It was fantastic. Now, I don't care who won. It's not my, not my place. It's neither one of our teams. But I think that for the sport of rugby, for Major League Rugby, it was exactly what television is exactly what 
our fans and our new fans really needed. And I, and I want to talk a little bit more about why it's so important. Because this was the first nationally televised game of Major League Rugby. Period. <laughs> Period. There was nothing. There's been no other games. This was the first one. People can talk about the commentators all they want. Uh, I was lucky enough not to hear the commentators. Um, according to everybody else, they were pretty terrible. Um, but I, that's neither here nor there. We had a great watch party. I know other supporters groups around the country had watch parties. They had some in New Orleans. They had some. The Free Jacks had some. Atlanta. Uh, Rugby ATL. Oh, God, that name's terrible. Sorry. <laughs> they had a watch party. But it's important to know that we all were watching. All of the fans were watching together. We were at BD Riley's here in Austin, Texas. And, you know, thank you, Amy, for putting all that together. We greatly appreciate it. You had Huns watching it. You had Blacks watching it. You had Valks watching it. You had Austin supporters watching it, basically. And that's great. To see a game of that magnitude, of that importance in the U.S. for the growth of the sport go down to the last second and to see a win at the at the buzzer at the horn whatever you want to call it if you're down in the southern hemisphere it's at the hooter it goes off they maul over the line score a try and win back-to-back mlr championships congratulations to seattle i really do they 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 played well they've got a tough team there's no doubt about it I think it's a win for everybody, though. And you talk about, you know, people watching the game. People, you know, I think somebody on Reddit said is the second highest rugby match ever behind uh, an All Blacks match in 2014. And, of course, you know, considering that the All Blacks are probably the most well-known rugby team in the world, that's pretty fantastic. Some people said the number was around 950,000. It doesn't really matter. It's... It's important to us, it's important to rugby to see the growth of the sport. And I want you to think about this for a minute. The game was played last Sunday. What else was last Sunday? You had golf, PGA Golf, the Open, which is a a super, super highly rated show in the U.S., going up at the exact same time. You had Father's Day, which is no easy deal to go up against. Um, And of course, you have people who don't understand the sport. You have people who have never seen rugby tuning in to watch Major League Rugby. And that's great. Another one of the guys on Reddit, and I appreciate all these guys talking about it, said that in New York for ad sales, a decent number for the 18 to 49 year old category, which is kind of what everybody falls in, is around 150, 170, uh, sorry, 175,000 viewers. We had almost half a million. And that is just wonderful. The final thing I'll bring off Reddit is if you think about it compared to MLS. MLS has been around forever, and their championship game took in, I think they said, 1.6 million. And the MLS has been around for how many years now? And so you, th- you think about that from a comparison. We have the opportunity to continue to grow the game, to continue to grow the sport, 
man, it, I, it's exciting. I am so excited. I can't, you know, I, I can't express how I feel the growth of this game will be. I know there are some pundits, rugby pundits, I'll say, around the U.S. who say that the game is decreasing. And sure, statistics say in some cases the game is decreasing. But I think that with Major League Rugby and getting that national viewership and hopefully getting more than just one game on CBS, on your regular channels, and not on cable and not on online streaming services, I think that's going to be the most important thing. I've said it before, we've got the Rugby World Cup coming up. I'm frustrated that most of ma- most all the matches are on NBC Sports Gold, which you have to pay for, and you only get about four or five matches or so that I've seen that are going to be on NBC, the regular NBC. But have optimism. Regular NBC showed the European Rugby Championship Finals, and they also showed the English Premiership Finals between Saracens and Exeter. So two big rugby matches on NBC. Granted, international, but still, slowly but surely, more and more rugby is getting introduced. We just need ESPN and others to start covering it more on a daily basis or a weekly basis on any of their shows rather than having, you know, nine hours of football or nine hours of basketball, which is boring to watch. Or talk shows that are just people yelling at each other on ESPN rather than actually talking or showing another sport that they could. So, more soapboxing. Sorry about that. Anyway, it was a great game. It was great for rugby. It was great to see all the photos from around the country of the fans watching the game. Hats off to San Diego and Seattle fans. Man, you guys showed up in force at Torero Stadium, and congrats to you guys. It, it was it was truly, truly fantastic to watch a fully packed stadium for that final. And, and I hope that that continues in the future, and I hope other clubs can start bringing in the larger crowds, bigger and bigger. <laughs> if you build it, you know, we will come type of thing. So... Anyway, that's the end of Major League Rugby 2019. As I said earlier, I want to start taking this podcast into a, a different level. I want to take it down and make it the Austin Rugby Podcast. I think it's important, again, still covering the elite as we always do, but there's some great things going on. My goal for this week, for this final episode of this season, was to have one of the coaches on for the Austin Blacks. Uh, unfortunately, timing and a newborn baby limited the availability of the coaches. So unfortunately, we won't have them on this last episode. But hopefully, first episode next year, I want to talk to them. We'll sit down. Maybe we'll have a special episode in the summertime during World Cup. But I think it is important to talk about the fantastic season that the Blacks had and really Austin sent three teams 
Division One, Division Two, and Division Three all to the national semifinals. That is a that's incredible. Most teams around the country only have one, maybe two teams. The Blacks and the Huns, they all have three. And they have three incredible teams. The Blacks had a great year. Their D1 team, they went to Columbus, which is where the finals were played, and put on an amazing battle against life-running Eagles. And if you don't know who life is, you haven't been around rugby. <laughs> they are the perennial powerhouses in the south out of Georgia. And man, did they put on a show. The teams, the teams traded penalty attempts early on. Austin missed the first one, but life did connect around the 18th minute. And really, life kind of took off then, helped ignite that attack. Saw them create a 10-0 buffer within about five minutes or so. Austin fought their way back into it and really had a lot of momentum going into the half with brilliant efforts for tries. And, of course, they had a penalty try awarded around the 40-minute mark, which cut the life lead down to four at 17-13 at the break. Going into the first 10 minutes of the second half, life dominated. They continued to pour points. They added eight to their lead. And really just as Austin, it looked like it was going to be you know, just a, a blowout game, the Blacks scored two tries in eight minutes to take the first lead of the game at 27-25. However, with 15 minutes remaining, the Blacks looked to be in full control, and they went back and forth, each looking to score, you know, one more try, one more point. But after sustained play, life was awarded a penalty kick and with really any time left. And from those that were there, those that saw it, it was pretty controversial. The penalty kick that, or the penalty that was awarded, Man, they, I think Austin kind of got hosed on that one, but that's just me being a hometown, hometown guy. So, unfortunately, Sam Cowley from Life knocked it through and took a one-point lead. The Eagles held on to the ball right after the restart and were awarded the Division I National Championship. Unfortunately, Austin was 0-1 with all their teams going to the National Championship. The next game up was the Austin Valkyries. The Valkyries have had a solid season, and both teams entered the weekend east, you know, eager for their first national championship, and they played the Northern Virginia Rugby Club. The two teams went back and forth for the entire 80 minutes. Northern Virginia came out strong, scoring the first points of the game, really only three minutes into the game, I believe. However, the rest of the half, the Valks, man, they, were, they just poured it on. They scored the next 12 points and, and really looked to have, you know, an Nova rugby, as they call them, right where they wanted them. Some great backline play from Nova led to a second try of the night for Stephanie Barros. And after 40 minutes, it was a tied game, 12-12. In the second half, both teams were probing for points, unable to get through some very tough defenses. The first points of the second half went to Austin, 11 minutes into the half, and as they'd done so all year, Nova came back from behind, and they really kind of took the game over. They scored two tries in just over 10 minutes, running out to a nine-point lead. Nova scored once more, and their defense played outstanding 
for most of the rest of the match. Austin did finally crank the defense for a well-deserved try, but a little too late for that. Unfortunately, the Valks did lose, came up second in the national championship, but they had a fantastic season and really look for them to be back in the finals or at least in the semifinals next year. I know we'll all be supporting them. And then the final game of the championship weekend was the defending national champions, Austin Blacks Division Three team. They are facing the Grand Rapids Gazelles. And really, Austin, when they went out on the field, they really took it to them. You could see the determination, and they powered through to a 12-0 lead inside of 10 minutes to start the game. And Grand Rapids then started, started to fight back a little bit. They saw the game getting out of control, and they pounced on a loose ball and got themselves back into the game on a long try-scoring run. However, Austin was unfazed. They added two more tries before the halftime, and halfway through the match, the Blacks were up 24-7. to And we didn't let off the gas. The second half picked up right off where the first one was. Austin took four minutes before adding to the lead. Grand Rapids just, they, they got one more. They had a nice backline play, but with 25 minutes remaining, the Gazelles were down 31-12. to 12. The Blacks had a commanding lead. They were dominating every part of the game. The Blacks went from one strength to another in the final 20 minutes or so. They added 17 more points to their total. And defending their title as best they can, won the match 48-12. to 12. A dominating performance by the Austin Blacks D3 team. Congratulations to those guys. It was an outstanding match, outstanding season, back-to-back champions. Um, you know, MVP was Canale McKay, and you know he watching his interview was fantastic. I, unfortunately, I've never met him, um, but I've heard people talk about him. They say he's a pretty fantastic guy. I've met a lot of the Blacks in the past couple of weeks, and I'm really happy to see them doing well. I'm happy for the growth that they're having, and I look forward to seeing all three teams, D1, D2, and D3, get back to the national championship next year, and hopefully we can bring them all home. I think that would be fantastic. While I wasn't able to have any of the Blacks team members on or the Blacks coaching staff on, I was, however, able to sit down with one of the Huns. And some exciting stuff coming up with the Huns this weekend. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this podcast isn't just for Austin Elite Rugby and the continued support for them, but it's to support all of the local Austin rugby community. And for those of you that don't know, there are some really fantastic clubs with us here in Austin, Texas. We have the Valkyries, which are our amazing women's team. We've got the Austin Blacks, and we also have the Austin Huns. And joining us on the podcast today is one of the Huns to hear, here to talk about Bloodfest here in about a week or so. So I welcome to the podcast. Ryan, how are you doing today, man? How are things going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. So, you know, Bloodfest, this is something that if you... If you're in the rugby community in the U.S. and you're in the Sevens community, you definitely know about Bloodfest. Can you give us a rundown and tell us who you are and tell us a little bit about what Bloodfest is? Sure. Um, yeah, so I guess I started playing for the Huns about five and a half years ago. 
pretty, pretty quickly took up some admin, uh, jobs for the Huns. And that's kind of been, uh, where I like to hang out is, is doing treasury work or, or something like that. So, uh, this will be my second year running Bloodfest, uh, 22nd annual Bloodfest sevens, uh, this Saturday, uh, one of the largest tournaments in the country we have, uh, looks like we'll have 49 men's teams, uh, 15 women's teams and around 20 high school teams. But we're, some of those numbers might shake out a little bit as we finalize the brackets. So every, every summer, one of the first qualifiers and, uh, one of the first tournaments. And that's why everybody comes out. And that's why it's so big is everybody tries their luck. So that's awesome. And, and it is, it's great to have, you know, we, we just really ended 15 season at the club level. Um, you know, you know, I think you and I talked a little bit about it. You, we had the blacks here in Austin send two teams to the, to the national championship, uh, the division three team won the Huns in the, in the past, they've also, they've won the national championship. What's it for you and rugby? Uh, what level do you play at with the Huns? Since I know we have uh, different uh, Huns levels at divisions one, two, and three. And, uh, you know, how did you kind of get involved in rugby, you know, in your career? Yeah. Um, so I just moved to Austin and, and needed a group of friends and rugby was actually the fastest way to find a hundred friends. So, uh, I played almost exclusively division three. And, and back then when I started, it was an actual separate club called the horde. So you have Huns D one D two. And, and, and back then USA rugby, you weren't, you weren't allowed to have three sides. So mm-hmm. it's always been called the horde is our division three team. So yeah, proud proud horde member through and through. So, uh, <laughs> <That's> and, yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. And so, you know, as far as what's, uh, what's going on with your team and, you know, everything in this past season, um, how did your, how did your club season go for you guys this year? Uh, I think Huns across the board, we definitely improved from the season before. Uh, I, I know, uh, D3, there weren't a lot of expectations cause we were going up against the Austin blacks who were the reigning national championships at the time. But, you know, I still think, uh, we, we came in third in our division and division three where I play at. And I was really, really pleased with the, with the guys and with the, with the results and everything like that. So, um, D1 and D2 also improved across the board. D2 had a really good shot at making the postseason. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so great when you play in these divisions with the reds and the blacks and, and these really great teams, it it just, uh, it lifts everybody's uh, level of play a little bit. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and for those, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is everybody here is in the red river conference, correct? So yeah. is, that what they, is that what they label it as? That's what I thought. I, yeah, it's, I'm, it's I'm, I'm also new to the, uh, the Texas area rugby uh, club seed. So I want to make sure that I actually get that correct too, before I start going too far into the hole. Yep. That's correct. So, <laughs> and, and for those around the world who, who aren't familiar with it, you know, the red river conference actually is probably one of the most well-known conferences in USA club level rugby. Um, there's really great teams all through it, you know, all throughout central Texas, all throughout Texas, really there, there's some fantastic teams, but in, you know, Ryan, we really want to talk about Bloodfest. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about four of the dates. It's uh, this coming Saturday. Actually, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? Don't you have a is some high school teams coming and joining you on on Friday, the twenty first? Is that when you start? Uh, it's it's a little weird. We uh, we started spreading out uh, the games to be played across multiple days, and this this helps us with our capacity for fields. It helps us with referees. We we tend to have a shortage in referees in this area, so spreading out the games between three days allows us to bring in more teams. So youth rugby, which is U14, uh, we have tackle and non-tackle versions 
Friday night at 630. Even if you don't have a team, if you are sipped, if you with USA Rugby, if you're registered, then you can come out and they'll probably find a team for you. So that's all Friday night. Um, then Saturday is when all the adults uh, kick off. And it's a single day tournament for all adults that historically, that's how Bloodfest has always been. So that's... Um, that's Saturday. And then the boys high school elite is a brand new division for us. They will play pool play on Saturday and their finals are on Sunday. So it's kind of neat because all eyes will turn to the high school boys elite finals on Sunday because there won't be any other divisions playing. So I think it's really wow. neat and it's something we're trying to grow. I really have to give a shout out to, um, Dr. Rock up at, um, rock rugby. That's his program. And he has put in a lot of effort into getting this boys elite high school division off the ground. His entire club comes through big time to, to pull off that division uh, along with the other high school divisions as well. Yeah. And how many of the, I guess the high school elite teams do you have coming in uh, for, for this event? Uh, we actually hit our goal. We wanted uh, um, a division of eight teams. So it's two pools of four and we hit the goal. Exactly. So uh, we're thrilled and it's going to be an amazing time. Yeah, that's, that, that's fantastic. And so, um, you know, before we started recording for the podcast, you had talked a little bit about, you know, some of the, the, the men's elite level. And I think some of the women's elite level coming from not just in the, the Texas area, not just in, you know, this, from the South, but actually coming outside the U S um, what are some of the teams that you have coming into the tournament, you know, next weekend that, uh, that, that you're really kind of excited about with these outside the U S teams. Yeah, so we actually offered a discount. Um, the team furthest travel uh, traveled gets a free entry, and right now that is going to be Le Bleu from France. They are competing in the men's premier. Uh, we also have the Cayman Islands national team in the premier. Uh, the Canadian Shield is a touring side from a club called the Canadian Assassins. They won the men's open last year and they will be returning to defend that title. And then we also have uh, Kumiyas women from Monterey, Mexico coming up and playing women's social with us. Wow. That's uh, that, that's actually pretty, pretty fabulous. That's awesome that you get, you know, people from France and Canada and the Cayman islands. I love that. That's, that's wonderful. You know, so, you know, blood fest has been going on for how many years did you say it had been going on for now? This will be the 22nd. So, so 22 years, um, it, it's not just to promote rugby, which I know it is. And, and, you know, I talk about the high school and being able to feature them on the last day. That's, that's something that I, I really admire, you know, saying, Hey, let's, let's show these, the next generation of rugby players, you know, what it really means to, to be a part of, you know, this growing sport. But is there something else that, that Bloodfest is associated with? Like what's the, is there a nonprofit or anything like that, that, that you kind of work with on this? Yeah, we, uh, we have a nonprofit that's related to blood, luckily. And, uh, it's, uh, it's called We Are Blood. It's in Central Texas. They serve the Central Texas area. Um, and we run this, uh, blood drive for four or five weeks leading up to the tournament. It's actually going on right now. Uh, you can walk into any We Are Blood and say, Hey, I just want to donate for the rugby tournament and they're going to know what you're talking about. So we got all of the clubs involved in the area. Uh, we, the Austin Blacks are new for this year. Rock Rugby, we got them a code this year. Huns Rugby, uh, the Austin Valkyries, Huns Youth, and San Marcos Grays all have their own code. So you can go in, you can give them the code, and the winning team gets a, a trophy at Bloodfest. We do a big trophy presentation for the club that gets the most blood donations. Now, is the trophy a, a solid gold uh, uh, kind of mimic of, of a bag of blood or what is the, uh, what's the trophy look like? <laughs> I, I'm not that creative. It's actually just a tumbler. 
Uh, <laughs> okay, a Tumblr also works. There's nothing wrong with the Tumblr too. So if it's so, functional, then it stays on people's desk for other people uh, to see. So there, you, there you go. So you were talking about everybody's got codes. How many, you know, how many total teams do you have coming to to Bloodfest this year? Uh, we're we're going to see how it shakes out. I I think uh, if I did some quick math here, 49 men's teams. Uh, 15 women's teams. We could expand that to more teams. I have a couple more clubs to reach out to. Uh, and then youth is up in the air. I can't finalize youth at this moment, but probably 90, um, 90 plus teams. We, we have capacity for over a hundred, but that's not going to happen. It's, we traditionally grow about 10% every year. So we have the capacity for more than a hundred teams, but we knew that 90 was about where we would settle. That's still three days worth of rugby in Central Texas, 90, you know, roughly maybe 90 teams or so. That's a lot of rugby to watch. So for those people who don't know, this is a sevens tournament. And so, Ryan, I'm going to kind of leave to you a little bit here because I want you to, to educate our audience who don't know about sevens because we have people who, um, you know, solely 15 watchers. Tell us a little bit more about uh, the growth of rugby sevens, um, maybe not just here, but in the U.S., as you've seen. Um, and, and kind of what the sevens circuit looks like. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I will have to disclaim that I am almost an exclusively 15s player. So, uh, <laughs> That's okay. I just, so was I. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Sevens, I think, uh, has a lot of capacity to grow, um, even more than 15s. The teams can travel further for, for cheaper. And, uh, the tournaments I think are, a, a really unique way to compete. I think it's uh, in a lot of ways better than a cup season. So just it's just a unique format and it's faster. It's more entertaining. It's uh, more breaks. I think for spectators, you don't have to sit down for a full 80 minutes and watch every single detail. You can get a game in 15 minutes, go grab a beer, go grab lunch, come back, sit down for another 15 minutes. That's something that you just won't get with a, with a 15s match. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And for those listening who are kind of new to the sevens, um, you know, normal 15s matches played, you know, two 40 minute halves, whereas sevens right now, um, seven minute halves, except for, I think in championship games, they usually do what? 10 minute halves. Is that correct? Uh, no, I think it stays uh, pretty consistent throughout. Okay. I, c- I couldn't remember. So. It's, it's seven minute halves, even the finals. Okay. Yeah. And so obviously the U S has been, you know, pretty well known. They actually came in second place overall in, on the, on the, on the the national circuit, uh, in sevens this year and Vegas sevens has grown. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts and the growth of rugby just in, you know, the past five years in the U S and and what it's kind of meant to you and, you know, how you see the future growth of rugby happening here in the U S. Yeah. So sevens, I think, uh, caters to, uh, a lot of college players a little more and just the seven sevens, uh, during the summer is a great way for people to get off college, come out. And, um, I think sevens is a better gateway in a lot of ways because of that. So, um, there's more players. Our club has grown. The Huns have grown. The sevens team has three teams and a lot of tournaments, which is ridiculous. And you just think about it. If we're adding more players and we're adding more clubs and we need more coaches at some point, we're going to need either more tournaments or bigger tournaments. So that's kind of one of the reasons why Bloodfest has grown is just because there's more players. The sport is growing everywhere. So, yeah. 
So with with Bloodfest, you know, kind of growing, as you said, you've got some probably got quite a few fields. Where is the where is the event being held this year? Um, I, I, you know, I kind of know. And like, what, how many fields do you have uh, or are expecting to have being played at, at the same time? Yeah, it's actually up in Round Rock, Texas, which is probably a 15 minute drive from downtown, maybe 20 minutes. Uh, they have 10 fields and uh, five of them are artificial turf. Five of them are natural grass. And if you've been following Major League Rugby, this is actually the pitch that Austin Elite Rugby played at their first year. So it has the proper posts. It's all regulation. It's a fantastic pitch. At, at one point, it probably was the best rugby pitch in Texas. Oh wow, that's I I did not know that. So obviously, you, you've got a you got great pitches. You've got great you know teams coming in. Um, you know anything else that you kind of want to talk about for you know what this means for Central Texas, what it means for uh, the Huns, um, what it means for just the growth of the game. Yeah, so the Huns have something we call the Big Tent philosophy, and it's it's uh, Huns all the way top elite athletes all the way down to the social side. The old boys, uh, our sister club, the Austin Valkyries, we just consider the big tent. Whenever we make any uh, <clears throat> blood fests, like when we do any planning or anything like we have to think about, is this part of our big tent philosophy? And that's what makes blood fest so special is that we have divisions all the way from the top. You can, you can find the best talent at blood fest, maybe um, kind of breaking onto the scene a little bit. And that you can also go all the way down to social divisions and something we call super social, which uh, is hilarious. And we also have women's teams, youth. Uh, you just can't find these tournaments that, that have a full scale of, of players like that. Yeah. So when you say super social, for those that may not know, like myself, what is what exactly is a super social uh, okay. r- r- rugby team? <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, I haven't actually played this yet. I've only observed. Uh, but super social was uh, created by uh, TJ Costello, who uh, ran Bloodfest uh, several years. And super social was born out of a necessity of, of more rugby to be played, but we didn't have any fields for it. We had no goalposts or anything like that. So we just created this game that there's no kicking involved. So you don't need any posts. Uh, your try can be, a, it depends on where you score the ball. You can get an extra point or an extra two points. And that's your conversion in a way. Uh, also, if you score, if your team scores three in a row, that player that scores actually has to go back to the circle the soccer circle in the center of the field and stay there. And that's the sin bin. So (laughs) they can participate, they can pass, they can tackle all that, but they have to stay inside that circle for how long uh, until the other team can score and then they can come back out. So the margin, the margin of, uh, of points can only be three tries or so. And then, uh, Yeah, you have to you have to bump back out. <laughs> That's really I've never heard that in my mind. Th- you know, as as a former player and thinking about uh, social, uh, super social, I thought that there would be probably a lot of drinking that was going to be involved in uh, in a super social rugby. But uh, I actually think that that's a pretty interesting way. Um, you know, a, a new concept that. Who knows? Maybe that'll take off, you know, in the next couple of years or so. It's a, a I, super social rugby. It sounds, like, it sounds like a lot of fun to watch. I can't comment on the drinking part, but <laughs> Lakefront Sevens picked up super social this year. Okay. The brand That's new awesome. division for them. So, yeah, it is growing a little bit. It's kind of neat to see. But yeah. to my knowledge, that thing, that super social division was created right here in Austin, Texas at Bloodfest. So oh, there you go. So yeah, not only growing 
sevens here in Texas, but growing the, the very social aspect of sevens and new versions of sevens uh, that for those of us, us, I say us because I can't, uh, for those of us that can't kick, it's probably uh, probably better to play that way for sevens as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, there's actually other rules that favor the large guys. So that's what's so great about super social is I believe you can't make a break over 50 meters. You have to pass it at some point. So it, the, the fast guys quickly are useless in super social. They're, they're all sin bend or something. So yeah, yeah. This this super social definitely sounds like something I would be interested in playing. Is you know blown out knees and things like that. So uh, yeah, as as I get older, super social sounds like the probably the best way to go to play uh, some seven rugby. <laughs> yeah, in town. yeah, and it's gonna be a really cool division this year because there's a brand new club out of uh, Kerrville, Texas, uh, gorgeous part of the state, and uh, so the Kerrville blues all blues i think are uh, going to be one of the social super social teams the taco trucks out of san antonio and then we have uh this club from wisconsin oshkosh uh mighty pigs will be coming down and playing super social with with the huns and the silverbacks which are which is our old boys team so that's, nice. that's actually probably one of the most exciting divisions i think that sounds like it. Now, will that will that final get played on uh, on kind of that main on the main pitch? Uh, to be determined. <laughs> if I can if I can get a, a Huns versus Silverbacks on that main pitch, I, I might have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you were talking, you know, the taco trucks, the uh, the all blues, uh, definitely, uh, definitely a reference to the all blacks. What's uh, so far uh, on who's joining you? What's been the most? Uh, what's been the funniest name for a sevens team that you've uh, or your favorite name of a team that's going to be joining you this this coming week? Oh, I, you know, I, I think, uh, taco trucks is one of my favorites. That's pretty great. So, I, I, I do love that. I, you know, living in Austin, of course, we, we all love our taco trucks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's actually my favorite for sure. Fantastic. Well, Hey, I don't want to take much more of your time, Ryan. I greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I think that what you're doing and what what you guys are doing with the Huns, uh, you know, just for blood Bloodfest in, in general, not just you know, everything else that you do for the club season. But Bloodfest is great um, to grow the game, to have you know a large qualifying tournament here in Austin is fantastic. You know, there's going to be a lot of people out. I think last year you said you had what around 2,500 people or so. Is that right? The, the clickers registered. 4,500, but I think oh, 4, people came in and me. out. Yeah, 4,500, yeah. but I think people were coming in and out a little bit, so I don't know, maybe 3,500. We're, we're getting thousands of people to come out to watch yeah. rugby um, in Central Texas at, a, at an amazing sports complex. So if, if you don't know, the Round Rock Sports Complex, you know, just north of Austin, um, it, it really is. It's got a ton of fields and they're all beautiful. You have some artificial turf, you've got some natural grass. Um, it, it is, it's going to be warm um, as it is in Texas around this time. So make sure you bring your water, but uh, you've got three days worth of rugby. Where can people find tickets or more information about Bloodfest? I, we, we have our uh, Facebook page is pretty up to date with any uh, announcements leading up to the tournament. But you can also check out bloodfest7s.com. It's uh, free parking, free entry, $3 Austin Beer Works Pearl Snaps. Um, bring your water. I think we'll have some vendors actually handing out water for free. But you know, even if you only come out for an hour, you can still catch you know, three or four games of rugby. So it's worth, it's worth it to kind of stop by and, and just watch the growth of the sport right here in central Texas. Yeah. And who are, who are some of the supporters? I mean, you have to have some, some sponsors and stuff for, for this event that have been really helpful for you. Who are, are there some supporters? So you talked about Austin beer works. Are they one of the guys that are kind of helping put this on? Yeah, actually Austin beer works have been a sponsor for the Huns for a very long time. So 
they've been through uh, uh, with us for a very long time. Our favorite beer. So we also have for, for this tournament specifically, uh, we have a firm called Rigby Slack. One of our old boys, uh, Pat Comerford, uh, got his firm to sign up for that. And we also have Rugby Athletic coming to town from Wisconsin. So they have uh, custom merchandise tanks, probably across the board, the most merchandise Bloodfest has ever had. Uh, that's a major sponsor. We also have uh, Atmosphere TV. I'm, I think you might have heard of them, but as Chive, Chive TV. Oh, Chive, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are they going to be broadcasting? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure. I think they will be filming to use some of it for their channel a little bit. Uh, but I think they're just uh, coming out, setting up a booth, and they're just going to share some content. They've got some TVs set up and everything. So that one's really exciting because that is an Austin-based company. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those, that's that channel where you kind of sit down for a pint and you accidentally drink three pints <laughs> because of the, watching random stuff on the television. Watching that they random show. stuff on that. So that's ex- that's exactly as Atmosphere TV is 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 the sponsor for that. And then we also have uh, Baylor Scott and White uh, for yep, our athletic absolutely. trainers. So th- that's a really well known uh, com- company in the in the region. So they're providing all of the athletic trainers at Bloodfest, which is a huge, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a big deal to get that many trainers out that to cover 10 fields and over a thousand athletes. So. Yep. Fantastic. And, yeah. and of course, all of it, it, it's not just about rugby. It's not just about building the community. You know, again, we are blood again, you can go and support and, you know, look up for the information on, on the website for blood fest. Um, we'll make sure that we post it on, on the podcast site as well. So that everybody has a link to that. Uh, we'll make sure we get those links out there for everybody. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to do what I can to get out there and help out as much as I can. If you're in the Austin area on the 21st to the 23rd, uh, head on up to Round Rock, watch some of the rugby and uh, come show them, you know, that Southern hospitality that we have down here in Austin and, you know, continue to help grow the sport of rugby here in Central Texas. And so that's, I I appreciate the time, Ryan. I really do. Ryan Walker from the Huns. Thanks for joining us today. I, I, I hope to have you back again sometime soon and we'll talk some more rugby. How's that sound? Sure. Thanks, Dustin. All right, man. Have a good one. Thanks much. Well, I really enjoyed talking with him about Bloodfest. I think it's going to be a great weekend coming up. Um, take a look at the programs. Somebody you know kind of helped put a lot of those together. <laughs> no, I think it's important for us to continue to support the local rugby clubs. That's how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to grow the game. I think this is this is the start of great things. I want to see Huns players, elite players, Blacks players all getting together to support local rugby and this is where it kicks off. This is where we start. The supporters group, you guys have been great. Our numbers have grown exponentially. We didn't start anything last season, but this season, we really, yeah, we, we, made, we made some waves. And people really enjoy talking to us. We've got 422 members from all over the world. You know, that's not a bad place to start when we started at just John and I. So, congratulations to you the fans thank you for the support that you've 
shown Austin. Thank you for the support that you've shown me. Thank you for everything else that you've done. There's a lot of you that do a, a lot of different things. Mad Zappa and your crawfish boil at that last home game was fantastic. I look forward to doing that again with you, man. I think there are some people who want to see us do better who will fight for it. Chris Peters, I know you're going to fight for it. I think that that's great, and I hope that you continue to do it. We're always going to have the support of people like the Mitchells, the families of the Brighton Box, everybody who wants to see Austin do well. We're always going to be there to support one another. What I want you to do in the offseason is think about a couple things. We want to get some flags. We want to get some other swag, some things for you to be identified as an Austin elite supporter for rugby, as an Austin rugby supporter in general. And if you have ideas, please pass them along. Nothing is bad. We did the flags this year, and people love those. Uh, We'll do some more of those things next year, and hopefully we can continue to build on this great group that we've put together so far. Of course, next year, our goal is to add more and more people, is to get more and more people out to the game, is to show more people about Major League Rugby, to show more people rugby in general, and to continue to promote the sport. I love it. I love this sport. I love this game. I love Austin. And I really love you guys. Like, you guys have been super helpful. You guys let me, a guy who's never done a podcast before, jump on a microphone sitting in a closet. By the way, if you didn't know, I sit in a closet when I record this. For the most part, I do, unless I'm doing interviews. But I sit in the closet because it dampens the sound. So there you go. A little behind the scenes. Thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure. We may come back, maybe a special episode or something in the summertime to talk about World Cup stuff. Oh, speaking of that, real quick, congratulations to our guys that were selected for Canadian squad for the Pacific Nations Cup. Doug Frazier and, of course, the Larson brothers. Josh, Travis, congratulations, lads. You guys deserve it. Go out there, kick some butt. We're all hoping that the Canadian national team listen to our podcast and we'll select Josh and Travis so they can play on the same field at the same time in the World Cup. I think that would be absolutely phenomenal. That's, the, that's my big thing for them. Big push. Congrats, guys. And congrats to everybody else this season. You guys worked hard. And congrats to Andres. Congrats to uh, Rodrigo and, and Juan for making Uruguay's national team. We look forward to watching all of the Austin Elite players play in the World Cup this summer in Tokyo, or in Japan, excuse me, in all of Japan. As always, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for the Austin Elite Supporters Group. There's those guys over at Earful of Dirt, but I think they're done for the summertime. Maybe a couple special ones as well, since MLR is over this season. DJCoilRugby.com. U.S. Rugby News, there's about a thousand of them. I think that it's great. We continue to grow it, continue to add more people who want to cover the sport. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Man, I think we're on everything, which is great. And I love it. And I love seeing the numbers come in when you guys download and listen. Find us everywhere. Don't forget to subscribe to us. It's all the time we've got for, for this season. In the final episode of season one of the supporters podcast greatly appreciate it can't thank you all enough for listening for taking time out of your day to listen to a guy talk about rugby it's really fantastic i'm 
appreciative. Thanks again. My name is Dustin, and we'll see you on the pitch. <laughs>